amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello and welcome back to Fatherhood. And you join me from an unusually scorching British Isles this summer. And I've taken, taken a little bit of time off to track around the Essex-Suffolk border near where we live, where there's ample opportunities for shady woodland or jumping into a local river or two, had me kind of thinking about life in the pandemic. I think hugely naively at the start of things, I had some kind of vision of lounging by lakes and ambling along streams, perhaps lost under a cloud or two, in some kind of 1970s style life. But the reality, of course, was incredibly different and far more worrying. But one thing we have done, of course, is slow down. And I was reading a bit about the, um, I don't know what to call him actually, the polymath Gregory Bateson, who talks about something called the ecology of mind, which I don't know enough about yet to think about too much, but it interests me, where if you connect yourself with your surroundings, then perhaps you can start to solve some of the problems and unhappinesses that surround us in modern life. But his daughter was his daughter Nora was speaking about the pandemic on a YouTube I watched and just talking about how time has stopped and it's hard to pinpoint where you are, which is disorientating. But then on the other hand, could be freeing. And then getting out and about in the countryside, as I say, particularly in this hot heat, diving into the River Stour or paddling in the Orwell getting out in the Blackwater estuary again was that sort of opportunity to be free when everything has been so locked down recently and had me thinking about Roger Deakin and his book Waterlog about wild swimming and I gather this has been something that's been incredibly popular right across the UK this year with people taking their holidays on home shores but I read you a quote from the book here and Roger Deakin says Most of us live in a world where more and more places and things are signposted, labelled and officially interpreted. There is something about all this that is turning the reality of things into virtual reality. It is the reason why walking, cycling and swimming will always be subversive activities. They allow us to regain a sense of what is old and wild in these islands by getting off the beaten track and breaking free of the official version of things. And yeah, I like that. And he wrote that in 1996, I think. 
And obviously we are living incredibly virtually now and everyone's been working remotely and we've all been stuck in our homes but trying to get on somehow and getting so much of our information from the internet while indeed obviously the official news, the interpretations are both disconcerting, it's difficult to work out exactly what they mean often and even though... I realise people are trying to do the best they can in a lot of difficult circumstances. We just don't have those freedoms anymore. So here's to getting in the water. If there's some, something near you, then yeah, I really recommend it. But this week we have a holiday special and it's a republish from the previous incarnation of Fatherhood Podcast. Uh, as you know, if, if you're a listener, I've restarted it since the pandemic having a little more time perhaps and thinking well, what what could be useful to some people, I hope. And this one is an interview with a Cornish surfer and lifeguard, Father 3, Malcolm Jones. So without further ado, on with the show. In my day, when I was growing up, like in the 50s, my parents would take me to the beach. Mr. Sandman, my father was, uh, was an insurance man, and he had a car. Not many people did in those days, actually. And he used to take us to the beach, uh, but the instructions were, don't go into the water outside of knee depth, because they had no no idea about rip currents or, or sea conditions, basically. Well, I always used to take a friend along, and uh, then obviously we'd play football in ball games, uh, but, we all, all, but we always wanted to go in the sea. But the instructions were only to, into knee depth water. So you couldn't really swim, actually. There were drownings almost every weekend. There were no, no lifeguards in those days. And uh, as I say, people were drowning willy-nilly. They sort of put fear into you, really, of, about what could happen if you went out further. So, yeah, yeah, I used to um, obey what they said, really. Malcolm Jones, and I live in near St. Marin, North Cornwall. I was a lifeguard for 30 years, 30 summers. Um, I've got three children, and both the boys, they lifeguard as well. And, uh, and I've got a daughter who's 22, and I'm 72 nearly. about 1971 and lifeguards had just started on Trianon and I knew a guy not a very good swimmer a guy from up the country not a surfer and I sort of thought to myself ah it's a nice job if he can do it I'm sure I can do it 
and then I got the job the next year and did it roughly for the next 30 years. Our particular area that I've settled in since those times, it's got seven amazing beaches. So you've got a, a wonderful choice of, of really good beaches actually to surf on and, uh, and to swim at. When I first started lifeguarding, I lifeguarded on Trianon, and that was the only local bay that had a lifeguard on. There were no lifeguards on Constantine, Boobies, Harlin, Travone, or Port Coffin. There were lifeguards on Morganport and Newquay, but in our area, um, it was only Trianon, and it used to be absolutely chaotic because all the families would come to Trianon because it was lifeguarded. We had hardly any facilities at all. We used to have a rescue board um, and the reel and line, which needed really six people to work on it. But fortunately at Trianon, um, a, lot of, a lot of people, a lot of friends used to come and spend, spend the day there and they could help with, with their rescues. It was an Australian invention. If somebody's in trouble in a rip current, you put on a harness and you swim out to the person that's in trouble. But also you've got somebody reeling you out. So you've got contact with the land all the time. And then you get three people feeding the rope out to you. Pulling back in, it's quite difficult because if the people that pull you back in a bit too hard then you can go under and it can be quite quite dangerous but it was also quite difficult to swim out with towing a harness and a heavy rope for you know maybe two three hundred yards on occasions but i also remember we had um as regards the flags to keep people in a in a certain area the flags were about four foot high uh, bits of tuba one with a flag on the top and when you've got hundreds and hundreds of people on the beach nobody would see the flag and it used to be absolutely chaotic and we used to have to make rescues all the time it was it was really hard work in those days you know when when you're going to have your your busy time because say if, if it's at Trabone where I lifeguard it for a long time you knew the high tide was always relatively safe, but then the low tide was totally different. All the rescues would be when, when the sea was raging, basically. On a big surf day, when there was a big swell, you'd try and keep people in the flags, but then you'd always have problems. And often, they would just get caught and be taken out in the rip and couldn't get back, so they'd be waving and shouting and then you just have to pick up the rescue board and, uh, and go in and pick and, uh, and get them back. Well, with the rip current, uh, basically the waves, the waves come in, they break on a sandbar, and the water that comes in has to find its way back out. And the, the bigger the surf, the greater the rip current. You can't swim against a strong rip current, if you're caught in it, the best thing to do is just let it take you out and after a while it will fizz out and then swim across to where the waves are breaking and then come in that way and not to panic. That's, that's
don't know about rip currents, they tend to panic. and we, we were we were on holiday in Newquay and uh, befriended an Australian lifeguard who was uh, working on Towan Beach. He had, he had the rescue board on the shoreline and uh, I asked him if I could have a go on it. And he said, um, he said, oh no, I'm not allowed to do that. But if you like, you can go up to Great Western and hire one. So hired a board, a 10-foot board, three stringers, stood up on it first time, thought, ah, oh, I really like this. And uh, from there, uh, during that winter, I bought a second-hand board. And then every weekend from sort of Easter onwards, a big group of us from Plymouth, where I was living at the time, would go down to Harlan Bay to surf. In those days, very few people, if any, surfed at Constantine. It was always considered too dangerous. So we all, all used to surf at Harlan and, and Travone. Well, at Triana, and I used to live in the lifeguard hut, actually, on the beach. But I also had a camper van and uh, used to go off to Morocco um, surfing um, in the winters. Oh, quite a few of us used to do that. Yeah, yeah, quite a few. Um, surfers had a real bad reputation in those days, actually. You know, they were, they were known as druggies and uh, hippies. It was that sort of thing, certainly in the 60s and early 70s. Yeah, I mean, one of the reasons why the guys used to do the lifeguarding in those days was because it was always a big attraction to get the girls. Not so much nowadays, but it certainly was back then. No, I was always quite uh, quite calm, really. The other guys were were a bit a uh, bit wild, but no, I was always um, quite good, really. I met my wife, or I knew of my wife when she was quite young, actually, but didn't start going out with her until I was in my thirties. I think I would have been about. 33, something like that. And then we met up at a dance once, and uh, and it all happened from there, actually. We got married in um, 1983, and uh, Joe was born in 1984. Sam was born in 1987. And obviously, I was lifeguarding all those summers, so they were brought up on the beach, basically. I could have sort of half an hour off to do a bit of a bit of yoga on the beach, 
you know, still on the beach, still looking at the surf. And also we used to play volleyball. And I used to go for a run most days. It was very easy going in those days. Wages were very poor, but it was great having, having the boys surfing with me, teaching them to surf, and their mates would come down. Absolutely fantastic. And I remember what one particular year we were we, we were in South Africa. It was the it was the year Nelson Mandela was released. We were hitchhiking around uh, South Africa with a with a, a five year old, a two year old, pushchair, surfboard, myself and my wife. And people would see us on the road, and because it was so unusual, they used to just stop and pick us up. And uh, my son Joe, he was five at the time, uh, found half a polystyrene surfboard, um, boogie board, started to use it and started to stand up on it. Then when we got back the following summer, I bought him a surfboard and, uh, and then he started surfing and he, was, and he took to it really easily. And uh, when he was nine, I was on a, a day off surfing at Constantine. He must have been down there with his mates and I turned up. And he came out of the water with this guy that, that I'd met in Morocco quite a few years before. And he said, oh dad, this guy wants to sponsor me because he thinks I'm a really good surfer. I thought, ah, that's okay then. And uh, it's all progressed since then really. So this guy made him a board um, he entered a few competitions, but in the end, it got too much for us because my wife got pregnant with um, with our daughter, and I was working on the beach all the time, and we didn't have time to take it any further, really. So, yeah, it was really, really good. Yeah, yeah. And also, Sam didn't do any competition surfing, but uh, from an early age, they're both really, really top surfers. They're in, they've been lifeguarding since they were about 17. They were really good swimmers because from a very early age, we got them into Nuki Cormorants and they used to go to galas and, and win lots of, lots of medals. So they're really into the swimming and really into the surfing, so it seemed a natural progression to get into the lifeguarding. And uh, I was quite proud of them because they, because they did it. Joe is in charge of Constantine and Sam's in charge of Boobies, probably the two, the two most dangerous beaches in our area. So, um, yeah, very proud of them. Surfing gets in your blood, you see. I mean, I'm into it as much now as I was years ago. And I'm old, very old. So whenever there's waves, so long as it's not too choppy and messy, then I'm in. I don't mind the size. Um, my favorite beaches have always been Travone, where I lifeguarded for a long, long time. 
Trabone can give you a really good left hand wave, left hander when it's when it's working. But then Constantine and Boobies where I've been surfing a lot the last few summers. And my two boys work there as well, which is uh, an added advantage. And whenever conditions are right, they phone me up or I phone them up. And they say, oh, come down. It's really good at the moment. Be here in an hour or so and you'll find it really good. And then I'll spend time down at the beach with them and the other lifeguards that I got on real well with. I seem to get a lot of respect from them all. So it's, it's really good for me. Yeah, I started surfing in, I think it was 1968, and that was 50 years ago, and I'm still surfing now, actually, and it's, it's my life, really. Well, that's that, and thanks for listening. And, of course, a huge thank you to Malcolm Jones, retired lifeguard, forever surfer. And not forgetting, of course, his former colleagues and current serving members of the RNLI. And I actually met his son, Joe, on Constantine the following year, so it's good to see the legacy continuing but of course the job they do is incredibly important and I was reading that this year we haven't made it down to the southwest but that the Cornish lifeguards are reporting the busiest beaches ever with bank holiday levels of people there every day I guess again partly because of the pandemic and everyone staying at home but but of course it's a hard job for them and incredibly appreciated so do seek out rnli.org if you'd like to donate to them and keep our beaches and waters safe. This week's incidental music, again from DJ Mandre for Balance 2, and I snuck in some snippets of some tracks for a bit of an evocative edge. So you briefly heard Mr. Sandman by Pat Ballard, I Feel the Earth Move by Carol King, Magic Carpet Ride from Steppenwolf, and David Bowie's The Gene Genie. And at the end, you heard the fantastic guitar of Van Gill, who was a musician and surfer himself, 
based in Sydney. But we'll be back soon with more podcasts from Dry Land and I'm hoping to get some new interviews sorted out uh, for the end of the summer and going back to school and all of these sorts of things. So do stay tuned. You can find Fatherhood at Fatherhood underscore pod on Twitter and Instagram. And you can subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, all your favorite podcast players. Do give us a rating and review if you can. It would help get us shared amongst all the families that you know. And do pass the podcast along if you're a listener and you know people in a similar situation who might benefit from hearing these stories. So thanks again for listening. I'm Robin Lieburn and that is all for now. See you soon. Fatherhood has been a fairly media production. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.